Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. I want to say that I am very thankful for dads. Uh, before we get really jumped in and started, I want y'all to take your worship guides out, if you will. And this is especially for the men. Ladies, you can keep yours out because we got some notes to take today. But men, this is what I need y'all to do. At the end of the service... We're going to give away a $100 gift card to Lowe's, but we're not going to pick one special dad like we're going to choose. We're going to let the basket choose. And so if y'all will fill this card out now, if you don't fill it out, I'm not mad at you. You just don't get a chance to win a $100 gift card. And I'm not filling it out, and I'm doing it out of protest because I kind of want the $100 gift card to Lowe's. But we wanted a way to honor y'all, but we wanted to honor all men. And so if you're not a dad, you're still eligible as long as you're a male. Ladies, we ain't mad at you. But we're honoring dudes today. Someone say, ooh. So we're going to honor the dudes today. And uh, I haven't met a dude yet that doesn't want a $100 gift card to Lowe's. But if you win and you don't want it, your pastor will be ever grateful in Jesus' name. So listen, fill that out. This is what we're going to do. When the last song is sung, our volunteers, some of our volunteers are going to pick up those uh cards and then we're going to draw it right at the end of the service and you're going to get the gift card before you leave today and so like I said this is on y'all if you don't fill the card out but please fill the card out dudes if you want a chance to win the hundred dollars and if you want to put Mark Pangle Jesus name that's fine um, fathers men I just want to say that I'm really serious today is going to be a great day and um, I want to tell you thank you and I love you and so on behalf of people that Love you. I want to say happy Father's Day. And particularly, I want, where's my pops? There you are. You're welcome for this before we show a couple pictures. Because I decided, since I'm the pastor, I get to do what I want to do, right? So, uh, the reason that I have so much class in my life. <laughs> praise the Lord. is because of the man sitting uh, on the next to last row, on my right and your left, he's extra handsome because he looks like his son with a little less hair. And so this is, this is my dad's, uh, this was this week. We were, we, were doing the work on, uh, we were doing the work in the new nursery area, and it's awesome, and I'm excited. We put up walls, and we rocked and rolled. We had, I think it was 18 people here to serve, and I'm thankful for that. Man, that's amazing. It's amazing. Amazing. But this was the whole time, all right? Because one set of glasses aren't enough. Are y'all with me? And I was just looking the whole time going, do you see you? Because I know you don't have a mirror, but this is like, look at that picture. There's two sets of glasses. I guess it's just in case it gets bright and he's got a, I don't really understand it, but I'm trying to justify it for you. But then I only have two, don't worry, Pops. But this one was the last day on our vacation. Dad took the whole family um, to Punta Cana a couple weeks ago, and uh, this was our last day of vacation, and I don't even know what to say about this except that I had to put it on here. I, I mean, just look at that. 
I mean, just straight catching flies. Are y'all with me? And that joker. I walked by. We were at the pool, and I walked by. I was like, wow. I mean, if someone don't know you, you are dead. Like, this is incredible. So he will pay me back, but I get the mic a whole lot more than you, so good luck. But I do want to say how thankful I am for my dad. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about it during the message, but um, my dad's one of the hardest working people that I've ever met, and um, he's a great dad, and he's got a great um, heritage, and, and um, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for my name and who I am. I'm thankful for um, Leah's dad. And for all the awesome men that are in my life. And I, want, I thought about this this week, y'all. There's some men that are my age um, and a little bit older than me. And even some men that are younger than me that pour back into me. And um, that's what it means to father, you know. To give of yourself and to pour back in. And I've been fathered by great men in, that are pastors that are way ahead of me that have thought enough of this guy, which is hilarious to me. If you walked where I walk, and, and you grew up where I grew up, and you're who I am, you look at yourself in the mirror and go, this is funny. It's funny to look out for me. It's funny to look out and see a lot of people in the church. Because I, I think to myself, one day they're going to find out who I really am. And they ain't going to come back. Because they're going to realize that this is Mark Pangle. But I'm thankful that it's because great men have decided that, that people are worth pouring into, and I was one of those kids. And, and I just want to say Father's Day's a great day, and I'm thankful for dads, and I'm thankful for the guy with his mouth open right here. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke 15. And if you're used to being in church, if you've been in church most of your life, you've heard this preached dozens of times. I've never preached this passage I've never preached the prodigal son at four points, but, um, but as I was preparing this week, I really felt stirred that this is the direction and undefeated that the Lord wanted me to go, especially for Father's Day. And so um, I'm going to read through the passage real quick, and then we're going to look at the differences in being a father and a son, how everybody needs to be a son or daughter. Ladies, this is for you too. And... Instead of beating the dads up, I want to celebrate some dads today, if y'all are good with that. So the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, Jesus said that there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me all that you owe me. Give me my share. I want my inheritance now. Now, isn't that kind of the way that the world is today? Like, we kind of... We, we want what's coming to us, and we're not willing to work our way or earn our way or, or pay our dues. And that's what it looks like to be a spoiled son. I, and I'm there. I understand. I have been there is what I should say. I've looked out at people that were blessed, and I've said, it's my time. But the truth of the matter is, your time is when God decides. And if you decide to expedite the process, pain comes. And, and it did. He said, divide it between us and, and so not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey to the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And, and the reality is, if I get all that I want in the time that I wish that I had it, I will squander it and it will not be good. Listen, <clears throat> this has nothing to do with my message, but I feel like I'm supposed to say it. Most of us have this idea of what we want, but if we get what we want, it'll be the worst thing that ever happened to us. And so we need to trust the process and trust God and stop believing that we've got the answers because Lord knows 
Every time I've gotten what I've wanted, I'm just telling y'all, it ain't gone well for me. It says, and when he had spent everything he had, a severe famine arose in the country. And so that's not a good combination, is it? And it said he began, or, and, and he began to be in need. And, and so he went and hired himself, excuse me, and hired himself out <clears throat> to one of the citizens in that country. And they sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. What a great job to go from a rich kid to everything that he had to just spending and partying to, in the pigs. And it says in verse 16 that, he was longing to be fed with the pods of the, that the pigs ate in. Can you imagine being a son of a very influential man and going from that to the, to the pigsty, trying to eat the slop and the leftovers that they had in there, hoping that you can get that meal, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, that's one of the best verses in all of the Bible right there. When he came to his senses is what other translations said. He said, how many... But my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, and I'm sitting here dying. I'm perishing. And so he said, I'll, I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father, I love this verse so much. His father saw him. His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and is alive and, and he was lost and now he's found and they began to celebrate. And Now the oldest son was in the field and, and as he, had, he came and drew near, to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and said, what's going on? What's the deal with all this? And he said to him, your brother has come home. It's amazing. Look how awesome this is. Your father killed the fattened calf. He, he killed the best cow, and we get to have this dinner and this feast because he received him back safe and sound, and, and then the son got angry. And he refused to go with him, and his father came to him and came out and entreated him and, and said, Look, these many years I've served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But, but when this son of yours came, after he was an idiot, and devoured all your property and brought prostitutes and did all this stuff, you, you bring out a fattened calf, you want to celebrate him? And his dad said to him, and this is so profound, you're, you're always with me, and, and all that's mine is yours. And it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother was dead and is now alive. He was lost and now he was found. Lord, I pray that you will bless this time and bless the reading of your word. And in the next few minutes, I just believe that you want to shift our perspective. And so, Lord, will you just do that? Will you just do that, Lord, and let us see the tension and then see the freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. I want somebody to tap their neighbor and say... And, and by somebody, I mean everybody. I want everybody to tap your neighbor and say, we get to be sons and daughters. We get to be children. Come on. Say, we get to be children. It's, my, it's, it's not just a possibility. It's an honor and a privilege that I am a son of God. 
that I am an heir, that I'm a joint heir with Jesus, and that I get to walk as an heir. And it's unbelievable to consider those things. And so today, on this Father's Day, I want to give you the ease. It's eventually going to be four, but we got to start with one that's a little bit different. But I want to give you the ease of Father's Day. So since you already have your worship guide out, men, this includes you, Jesus' name. I want y'all to take some notes today because I believe that you can remember some of these, and I believe that it can really help you in your life. And so the ease of Father's Day, the first one is the problem. That's not an E. <laughs> the problem. The problem E is entitlement. Somebody say entitlement. <clears throat> I don't know about y'all, but I'm not a real big fan of entitled people. I'm not mad at them. I love them. I believe they need Jesus. But entitlement <clears throat> crawls up and down my spine with not awesomeness, if y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, I just, I just look out when I see entitlement and I say, Ugh, and it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Here's what I need y'all to know is I believe that the world looks at the church today and they say, I don't want what they have because they are entitled. I don't want to be a church person because church people are entitled. Church is the most segregated place on the planet. Church is the most pious and filled, and I'm not talking about y'all, and I'm not talking about the church that you came from. I'm talking capital C church around the world, what people think about us. Here's the truth that we talk all the time about, and it can't, it, it's something that never leaves my thoughts. We're supposed to change the culture. I believe that Jesus came with that in mind. The Bible says that the kingdom is in you, and if the kingdom is in you, when you trust Jesus as Savior, when he makes you new, if the kingdom is in you, then the kingdom should be what we're spreading. That should be what we're seeking first because it's Christ in us. And if that is the case, entitlement goes away because I realize who I am and why I am who I am. As a son, I cannot be entitled because I didn't earn this sonship. I didn't, I didn't stand up one day and say, well, look how good I am. I get to do all these things. I look out and go, why in the world do I get to do this? That's, the, that's not entitlement. That's the opposite. But, but, listen, listen, listen. It's nearly impossible not to be there sometimes. All of us get to the point that we feel that entitlement. All of us get to the point that we feel puffed up. And this is how we feel it. We look out at our friends and we say, why aren't you doing what I'm doing? Why aren't you doing as much as I'm doing? As sons and daughters, we look out at other sons and daughters and we think to ourselves, if y'all would just get off the sidelines and stop being crazy, and stop spending father's money, right? Because he's my daddy and he's your daddy if you're a follower of Christ. They're just lazy, good for nothing. This is what Luke 15 shows us. That what keeps us defeated isn't our past and our sin, right? I think the thing that we always think is, if you knew what I did this week, there's no way you would say that I could go from defeat to undefeat. There's no way you would say that I could be an overcomer. There is no possibility that you would think that I can change the world, Pastor Mark, because, because I'm not really a speaker. I'm not really this. I, I'm, I'm just a person in the field. I'm just a person doing it. There's no way you really think that about me. But here's the deal. It was never about what you did. One person agreed, praise the Lord. It's not about what you did, it's about what he decided you're worth. He decided you were worth Jesus dying on the cross. He decided that you were worth being called a son or daughter. But it's not my sin 
And listen, sin separates me from God, but it's not what keeps me separated. What keeps me separated is unbelief and a pious heart that leads me to pride. Looking out at you, most of the time when I get myself in trouble, it's because I'm comparing myself with one of my friends. Not because of deep, ugly, ugly living. It gets to that point when my heart gets hardened and full of pride. But it's the comparison, or the comparison excuse me, our hearts are the problem. I heard this this week, and I thought it was really good. The Bible says that we should take every thought captive, which, listen to me, that means that you're going to have bad thoughts. The person in the room that would tell me that they don't have bad thoughts is the person in the room that I will look at and say, I love you, you're a liar, but I love you. It's not a sin to have a bad thought. It's a sin to let it stay there. As soon as the, the thought doesn't leave because we decide to let it jump, and we just take, we just go, that's not who I am. I'm taking that thought captive in Jesus' name. Our outlook determines our outcome. And our outlook is defined by what we believe and what our thoughts declare. Our minds decide. And when I look out at sinners or with people that are wandering and I say, I hate them. When I look out at people that are different than me and I feel the entitlement of the world, then I've decided to take on what all of them say, but do it with a stamp of Jesus on the side of it. And I think we're making a difference. That is my life for most of my life, if I can be real with y'all. I've put a Jesus stamp on the end of my entitlement and said, look how cool we are. And this is what it looks like. Verse 29, this is the older son, and I just want you to see the highlighted letters. He says, look. These many years I have served you and I never disobeyed and and you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Do y'all see that? I deserve all of these things, God. And I see these people. And they're not even good. Like I'm doing good things. And, 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 And you're blessing them? And and I don't get it because I should have. And there's nothing wrong with saying I because if you're in a conversation and it's about you, then I is what you say. Are y'all with me? But when the whole conversation is about what you don't have or what I don't have, I've decided that my entitlement means that if you squander what was rightfully yours, then it's my problem. It was never his problem. Other than to pray for his brother and hope to God that he comes home. That was never his problem. And when his father showed compassion, he got mad. And this blows my mind when I read Luke 15 until I take an inventory of my own life. And I say, how many times have I done that? When a person comes home from from crazy living. And I look at them and say, yeah, but I've been here the whole time. God, how do you bless them? You should be blessing me. I kind of feel like that's how the church is. Are y'all with me? And so, what's the solution? This is where I want to spend the majority of our time, but I felt like we had to set the tension up because I feel like it's everybody in here at some point in time has that entitlement. So, what's the solution? Here's the four E's, and they're the good ones. Exposure. Exposure. Immediately, if you, you hear the word exposure, um, a couple things probably come to mind, and they're not all good, right? Some of y'all get it. 
indecent. I'll say it twice because y'all know. Indecent is not a good thing. Is anybody with me? We have less people in church if that happens today. Are y'all with me next week? So exposure is not a good thing if it's not properly introduced. Exposure is not a good thing if it's ridiculous like what I just said, indecent exposure. But being exposed to different things is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, the only reason that my life has changed the way that it's changed is because God decided to begin to expose me to new things. I was so close-minded, and I'm thankful for my childhood. I had an amazing childhood. God taught me things. I'm, I'm very thankful for it. But being exposed that my world is bigger than the church that I grew up in, that I love and I'm thankful for, but, but my whole world wrapped around that church, y'all. And, and I thought it was heaven and earth and everything around it, and then, and then all of a sudden, I got exposed to a conference with 15,000 people at it. And I saw 15,000 people worshiping Jesus together, and I went, this is what it can be. Holy crud, I like this. And then I got exposed to a worship experience where people raised their hands and worshiped. And I, and I thought to myself, okay, <laughs> you don't have to be angry and sing the fourth stanza. Come on, somebody. I ain't mad at nobody. Don't, I don't need emails. My email is austin at fourpoints.org if you got to email me. Just kidding. And there's nothing wrong with those. So some people have gone from this to that, and that exposure changed them that way. That's, that's, it's, that and this is not, the, is not the point. The point is my life has changed for the better with, when God exposed me to new things. Dads, this is free. I know that people want to keep their kids from doing stupid things. If y'all don't feel that way, then I'm preaching to the wrong crowd. Are y'all with me? Nobody wants their kid to lose their mind. So, so, so most of us decide that we're going to keep our kids in a bubble and hope that they never get a cold. So you're, you might be the mom or dad with the hand sanitizer that's like the Sam's one in your car. If you pump it, it like hits everybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hoping that they never get a cold. They're going to get a cold. Are y'all with me? A little dirt don't hurt. Come on. Let them eat the dirt, Leah. It ain't going to hurt him. Jesus' name. She knows. Hasten's going to eat it. We ain't worried about it. Plus, he's the second kid, so if y'all know the second kid. My kid didn't wash his hands. Can I touch him? Sure, he's the second one. We don't care. Y'all ain't supposed to be laughing. That ain't funny. But the more that I can expose. So listen, here's our rule. If Lainey asks us a question, we tell the truth. She's nine years old. Nine. And we're talking about sex at my house. You know why? Because she wants to know. And I have two choices as a dad. I can either decide that I will keep her in a bubble and say, well, ask your mom. That works. Nope. Or I can lie and say, well, there was this stork. Right? Y'all have heard me say this before, and I don't apologize for it because I really believe this. When it comes to sex, your kids will find out from two different sets of peas. Pastors and parents or peers and porn. And you get to decide which one you want it to be. And dads, I'm just telling you, when my kids are curious, I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm going to tell them my failures. I'm going to tell them my fears. But I'm going to tell them my wins. I'm going to tell them what I've come through. I'm going to tell them that I tried that mess. And the reason that we study history is because if we don't, we're doomed to repeat it. And you don't have to go through what I've 
gone through because it doesn't have to be that way. And then I expose them to new horizons. If you never let them see what it can be, they never get to do what they can do. So you got to have exposure. And I, I love this, this one line, when he came to his senses. Do you know why he came to his senses? Listen, 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 this is crazy, and this is going to frustrate you. Mo I am not advocating, I am not for people sowing their wild oats. I, I, I believe that that's silly preaching. However, listen to me. When you look back on your life and you say, I wish I had never gone through that, God is using what you went through to get you where he wants you to go. If it wasn't for this, that never happens. Are y'all with me? And so in the younger son's life, if he never goes off and squanders everything, he never sees the value in being a son. He would always have been pious. He would always have been angry. It took him being a moron. Somebody say moron. That's what he was. And I'm sure that my pops, who I just kind of joked about with his mouth open, catching flies and all that, I'm sure he could come up and tell you stories about a moron, right? Because every kid at some point in time does something crazy, and I was pretty good at it, <laughs> right? I, had, I was gifted and talented when it came to dumb. But there was a time that I came to my senses. We had this thing in my house growing up, and I'm so thankful for it. And I, I really think it had a lot of testimony. I think it had a lot to do with him. Well, we could tell them anything. That's so weird. Like, I think back to it, and I go, I told them some crazy stuff that I did. I'm not saying we had a celebration. They didn't kill the fattened calf every time. <laughs> All right? But they loved me every time. Even when they were disappointed, I never, I never was afraid that I couldn't come home. And I'm telling y'all, that's amazing parenting. And I'm really thankful for that. There's things that I know they would do different that, I would, that I'm choosing to do differently. But I'm thankful for the honesty that we could have. I'm thankful that if Melanie or Melinda or, or myself went too far with the opposite sex on a date, that instead of trying to hide it, we would go to them and say, what do we do? I'm thankful that, that when I did something that was mischievous, that was just really dumb, that I could say, this is what I did, what should I do? That's what it looks like to be a great dad. I think most of the time what we think being a great dad is that I never miss anything and that I have all the answers for everything and that I make the most money than they do and I do all that and I just don't believe that's it. I believe you can have all of those things and not be honest and loving and you can miss the whole point. But I think if, if, if we have a safe environment where people can come to and say, I screwed up, I'm not celebrating the sin, I'm celebrating the son. And that changes everything. I've got to give my kids a chance where they can look and say, I've come to my senses, Daddy. Is that not the best day of our lives, guys? When our kids go, I've come to my senses. Whew, I'm not going to get emotional today, but I about did. Mm. Number two is an encounter. An encounter, that word can also be negative. Because we can have bad encounters, right? But I'm talking about the good ones. I'm talking about the great encounters. There has to be an opportunity, y'all, for an encounter to take place with the Lord Jesus. And it, listen, this is going to offend some of you, and I love you, and I don't care. If, if the only thing you ever do is beat the Bible over their heads, but the 95% of the time, other than the time that you have 
the whatever Bible in your house, you're going bananas on them, you hate them, and you're pushing them down. They're not listening to that Bible. Are y'all with me? Your life has to preach the Bible more than your words do. And if that's the case, if that's the case, if that's the case, they'll want that encounter. They'll be, wait, listen, it blows my mind to read this passage. I love it so much. When he came to his senses, he said, I'm going to go have this encounter with my father. It might be ugly. It might not be fun because our heavenly father loves us enough to not let us just do whatever we want to do. There are consequences to sin, y'all. But this is what it says in that encounter. He says, what am I doing? I've come to my senses. I've had this enlightening moment where God showed me what I should do. And now I'm going to have an encounter with my father because I believe that he loves me. And so I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, I've sinned against heaven and against earth. I'm no longer. And y'all, this, this is the attitude of a son or daughter. I declare over my life every morning, I'm the righteousness of God. But I'm sure I'm not worthy. This has nothing to do with because I preached eight times in the last week. Bless God, I'm the righteousness of God. Nope. That ain't got nothing to do with it. This is the moment in your life that's the encounter with the Lord Jesus. This is the moment. If you've never had this moment, I believe you've never had the moment, y'all. I'm not worthy to be called your son, Lord. But Father, make me, make me anything. Make me a servant. You, you love me. And, 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 and I just want your love. I don't care where I am in the pecking order. I just want to be called your son or daughter. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I want the encounter with the Lord. I want the encounter with my father. Treat me as one of your hired servants. But, oof, he did that and he arose and he came to his father. And this right here, y'all. I feel like this is the tension. I feel like this is the tension. For all dads in the room, this is our tension. Because we feel the responsibilities of the head of our household. We feel the responsibility to carry the banner. And that's a heavy load. If you ask for it or not, if you're the weaker of the two personality types, because many people are. You didn't ask for your personality, right? That's just who you are. But no matter, you still are the umbrella. You're the traveler's insurance. You're the, you're the dad that God ordained you to be. And in that moment, we feel a great deal of insecurity. I know I'm not the only one. And the win is not having the answer. The win is being filled with compassion when you see that crazy son coming back home and running and embracing him and kissing him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I, I just love the picture of the dad. And as we move to number three, environment, y'all write that down. I just want y'all to picture this. This is what the environment looks like. Can y'all picture the dad sitting on a rocking chair on his front porch, a little bit farther along in age now? He's got a son that's an adult and another son that's working for him that's an adult that, that has never wavered. And he's He's considering his stuff. He's considering his wife and all that he's got going on. But he's sitting on his rocking chair. And he's praying for his younger son that's gone wayward. And every day he anticipates him coming home. 
Can you picture him looking in the distance? Is that him? He looks beat up. Because we care so much about how we look that we want to make sure that we've got the impressive clothing and the impressive stuff. And our father never cared about any of that. He cared about you. What an environment it is to create that where you can always come home. I'm going to preach a little bit right now if that's good with y'all. The one thing that the entitlement does is it kills the environment. The culture of your home supersedes and trumps everything else. I'm telling you right now, it, it's bigger. It's more important. Good culture is like fertile soil that no matter what you put in there to plant, it's going to grow. That's what good culture looks like. It's like if you put a shoestring down in that good soil, a shoe's going to grow, everybody. And most of us try to think of the right things to do, but when it comes to doing it, that encounter goes poorly because immediately we want to tell them everything they did wrong. Do y'all know that the younger son didn't need instruction in that moment? He needed a dad to hug him. He needed compassion and love. Do you know that our God is much better at this than we are and he knows what you need? And he supplies all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And the environment of our Lord is not one of hate. And it's not one of pressing you down. It's one of grace. Amazing grace. Look what it says. I love this. The father said to his servants, after he says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And his son, listen, his son's ready to give this long, long, long explanation about what all's going on. His father said, da, 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 da. Stop. I don't need, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? Like, we want to be lawyers when we're guilty and tell everybody what we did. And God the Father's looking at you saying, I, I need you to stop. I've already said you're not guilty. My goodness. I just need you to stop and let me take it. I need you to stop and let me clean you up because you don't have the robe, but I got a robe for you. I need you to stop and let me put you in the shower and then put that ring on your finger because you don't have a ring, but I've already got it. And it's the sealing of the Holy Spirit of God sealing your life. It's the circumcision of your heart that sets you apart and makes you one of mine. It's not something that you can do. It's something that I already did. So stop trying to explain yourself and just come. And I'm going to put shoes on your feet. That You know, this, this right here, I just picture this. Maybe none of y'all look at the Bible this way, but I love to see it. And I picture the full armor of God in this moment, right? He's putting the cloak on that, that includes how you keep the full armor of God on. He's putting the, the gospel shoes of peace, the peace, that the, the helmet of salvation and the breastplate. of All of this is going on right now because the Father's love is so deep that he's like, look, I'm, I'm not even, I don't even consider what you've done. I consider that you're home. And then I'm going to bring this fat and calf and we're going to celebrate for you were dead and now you're alive. God doesn't want to make you good. He wants to make you alive. He's got the good covered. And he just wants you to come home. And then they began to celebrate. The reason I'm passionate about this message is I believe that we stay defeated because of mindset. I believe we are locked into a mindset that is not an environment where I can screw up. I am not encouraging screw-ups. I'm not encouraging that you should go out and do whatever you want to do and test it and see how this is. That's silly. That's playing Russian roulette. 
I'm certainly not advocating that. And some of y'all could give testimony on how rough it is out there when you're in the pigsty. Come on, somebody. But here's what I am encouraging. That there's not one person, and I want y'all to hear this. There's not one person. There's not one person. There's not one person out of the eight billion on this planet that God doesn't deeply love. There's not one person that is not capable of being a son or daughter. There's not one person. Think of the person that you hate. Think of the person that that you despise and want to reject and, and they wronged you so deeply. God loves them. God loves them. I want to show you three of the first converts in the, the early church. Three of the early converts in Acts chapter 8 and in Acts chapter 9. We have Simon the sorcerer. And when we hear that, we can pass through the story and think, that's cool, he was a sorcerer. That ain't cool. He was a wizard that was psycho. If we saw him doing those magic tricks and doing these things, we'd be like, kids, stay away from him. He's got the Ouija board out. Are y'all with me? Satan worship is what we can associate this with if y'all want to do that. It's, It's easily the best way to describe it. And then I'm going to walk on some thin ice, but I'm going to walk on it and I'm not apologizing. Here's what a eunuch is. Um, this is not funny time. A eunuch is someone that had their man parts severed so that that group of people, when Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were sent to Babylon, they were, they were castrated. They were castrated so that that group of Jewish men could no longer reproduce. But listen, here's what happens when that happens. There's some identity issues if y'all are with me. Men, if we were all eunuchs in the room, it would be awkward because we wouldn't really know what's what. They didn't choose this, by the way. Our attitude toward the people that are struggling with sexual identity right now is anger. And so we put posts on social media saying how disgusted we are with certain people. And this is the question that I have, and I felt this as a pastor. If so-and-so wanted to come into this church, would they be allowed? Is the environment of this house one that a person struggling with their sexual identity could get by? Are we so worried about bathrooms that the environment isn't conducive to that? Because can I just tell y'all that the gospel that I read and the God that I serve loves those people? Because, listen, I'm going to repeat this. It's not about celebrating their sin. We disagree with that lifestyle. But we celebrate the fact that they have the opportunity to be sons, not the sin. And if we can do that, we can look at them and say, I'm not going to march with you. But I'm going to hug your neck when I see you. Because you're not gross. You're not weird. And then there's the terrorist Saul who Jamie preached about two weeks ago. Yo, he was a terrorist. Just read Acts. Dude, what, after, after you, you read about Stephen dying in, in Acts chapter 7, it, it says he's going home to home. He's pulling them out by their hair. He was psycho. If this was happening in the world, we read about stuff happening in Syria. We're like, oh my gosh, that's awful. This is worse. He was nuts. And, and this is the question I kept asking myself this week. What if that dude get saved like for real what if some psycho Arab person decides that Jesus is the way is there a church that he can go to I'm asking 
I don't know about you and where you are in your life, but this is what I'm talking about. I want to be the church that changes the culture. And that means that everybody, somebody say everybody. That doesn't mean somebody. That means everybody has an opportunity to come in this place and see love and see hope. I'm not saying we're going to be dumb. Hey, look, if you're a convicted terrorist, we're going to vet you. And we're going to send a missile at you if you don't get right. But if you get right, and the Lord Jesus tells us, by the way, is what happened with, in Acts with Paul. And they had questions. If we didn't have questions, some would be wrong. But if the environment of this place, and listen, listen, this is, if the environment of your home, if I had time, I would tell y'all stories personally about should I go to a wedding? of such and such person if I disagree with their lifestyle. Let me just simplify it to this. You have to make a personal decision that is very, very split on what people believe. If you believe you're celebrating sin or celebrating a son. And I've just decided in my life that I'll be ridiculed. But if it's a family member, they know where I stand. If they've ever watched a YouTube video, they know what I preach. But that doesn't mean that I can't stand at a gay funeral, a gay wedding. Would I perform it? No. But can I go and love on somebody? Absolutely. Because I can disagree with your lifestyle and still love you. Why? Because I want to see what happened in this chapter. I want to see what happened. And I'm telling you, with our pious attitudes looking out saying, you're awful, you're nasty. Y'all, they don't know Jesus and they're acting like people that don't know Jesus in the pigsties. Where are we opening our arms up? Aren't we the older son? Come on, somebody. And I just believe that can change because I believe God's plan for all of us is to be a reflection of his son, which is to glory his father. And so this is the end goal. This is the end. This is the hope. And this is the conversation with the son as he said, You've always been with me. And I'm thankful for that. And listen, Christians, listen to me. Those of you that have always walked with God, praise God for you. This is not demeaning you or demeaning me. And y'all, if anybody is, is the older son in this room, it's Mark. The hardest thing for me to do is not be judgmental. It's, it's, it's not to hold back forgiveness. Is not to look at my kids and be hard on them. And I am. But the fact of the matter is, the culture won't shift. If we're harder or nastier than our Lord, because that is us being prideful enough to say, we're going to take this into our own hands because we don't trust your process, God. The Bible says that we can trust God because he said, vengeance is mine. I trust God. His way is a lot better than mine. There are consequences for sin, and I'm certainly not underselling that. But the father looks at him and says, listen, in this case, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead. You're looking at it from a selfish perspective saying, I deserve, this is all mine. And you're, you've forgotten the fact that there's millions of people. There are, listen, around us, there's thousands of people, thousands that we see every day and we just pass them and we say, they owe me something, they owe me something, they owe me something. They need a father. 
They need a brother or sister. They need a mother who will love them and say, I love you. And I know what you've done. And I know where you've been, but I still love you. I love you. My arms are open to you. I love you. But this world and my life will stay defeated until I will look and say, that's the environment that I choose. That's the environment that I choose. And so I feel like this message is for everybody in the room. And this is the question. And I want y'all to look this way because I'm done. I wonder who's the younger son. Because listen, every time that I preach, this is the tension that I know. I know that if there's 200 people in this room, several people came in as the younger son, as the younger daughter, as the person who was wild and who was uncomfortable in church who is embarrassed and says, I don't even want to show up because if they knew what I was doing, they wouldn't want to see me. And this is the news that I have for you. Not only do we want to see you, but we want to celebrate the fact that you're not what you used to be and you're now one of us. Because becoming one of us isn't about how much you give. It's not how much you serve. It's about who has your heart. And you get to be a son or daughter by simply saying, I've tried this thing on my own and I wandered out there in that wilderness, but now I want Jesus. Now I want Jesus. And so, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against earth. Listen, this is salvation. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Will you, will you, just, will you just make me a servant? And listen, this is the great news, friend. Not only is he going to say yes, but he's going to put a robe on you and a ring on you and say, stand up. I'm not remembering what you've done. I'm remembering who you are in me. You're the righteousness of God now. You're made new in Jesus Christ. Y'all listen, there's people in this room that need Jesus for the very first time. Don't you let anything hold you back. Today's the day of salvation is what the Bible says. Today's the day of salvation. Will you bow your heads? I just want to know quickly, who is it? I believe there's sons and daughters that need to make the decision right now. And I just want you to lift your hand up and say, Pastor, it feels like you're talking straight to me. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I need Jesus to save me. I want to be saved. I just throw your hand up and say, I want to be a son or daughter for the very first time. Come on. I believe there's people all over the room that need this. I want to know who you are. For the very first time, Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to be a son or daughter. I want to be made new and made alive in Jesus Christ. Come on. Throw your hand up wherever you are and say, that's me. A couple more seconds. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Listen, if you've made that decision, I don't believe that it's about raising your hand. I believe it's about your heart. And you can check the box on your worship guide and let us know, and we'll help you take your next steps. This is what I want everybody in the room to do, because I believe it's a message that everybody can respond to. I just believe there's some people that need to get right with some sons and daughters in the room. There's some people that need to take an inventory of their life and say, this is what it looks like to be a father. This is what the father's love looks like. And you're a son or daughter. You've trusted Jesus as Savior, but you're wandering and you're struggling and you consider yourself maybe the older son. And for that, I just want you to have the opportunity to come down here and pray with our team. And if that's you, I just want you to have that chance right now. And so I'm going to pray and I'm asking you to come. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful that we have the opportunity to see the world completely change as a result of what you've already done. God, it's our job not to 
have all the answers and be the best. It's our job to point people to you and have the environment that the crazy people can come in and receive Jesus. And so, Lord, that's our hope and that's our prayer. And I'm so thankful that we get to be your sons and daughters. And so, Lord, we love you and we declare freedom and hope and change in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Y'all stand with us.